Hey everyone, uh, you tuned into Comedy History 101. We have a very special episode for you in store today on the history of National Lampoon Lemmings. Yes, the theater show that started it all and turned into Saturday Night Live. And without further ado... Doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy history 101. Let's try the eyes now, the eyes. Cross. Ready? And cross. 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 Well, the net lane just is effectually controlled by both its friends and enemies. And has taken its anarchism off its pages and put it on the stage. Cross. Only the National Lampoon would attempt to synchronize the violence and banality of American life. Okay, take it to the right. And what you heard there was an excerpt from the rehearsal of the 1973 stage show National Lampoon Lemmings. It was a spinoff of the humor magazine National Lampoon. And the show starred John Belushi, Christopher Guest, and Chevy Chase. And yes, you've tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. I, of course, and Harmon Leon, and with me, of course, Scott Kalonico. Scott, how are you? Top of the morning to you, Harmon. I'm coming at you from the Emerald Isle of Berlin. The em- Why would they call it the Emerald Isle? God, not Oh, sure. you're doing <laughs> that de- deconstruction humor. <laughs> yeah, Much like the like... deconstruction humor that you would find in the stage production of National Lampoon Lemmings. Which That's right. I'm, per- I'm making a statement. Yeah. Actually, I think that clip wasn't from National Lampoon Lemmings we heard up front. It was from, actually from, which we'll dive into later, it was called The National Lampoon Show, which was another stage show. Because in that clip, we saw Gilda Radner. And what we're talking about today is the production of National Lampoon Lemmings, which premiered in 1973. And, of course, they launched the careers of John Belushi, Christopher Guest, Chevy Chase. And what the what the performance was, was it was a musical stage mockumentary. That that parodied and satirized the Woodstock Festival. Come on, hold it down. Okay, first of all, I'd like to welcome you to the Woodstock Memorial Festival of Peace, Love, and Death. Which was at that time, that was only, I mean, you're only talking about five years after the fact. You know, actually, if they started. Uh, they started it in 1972, so actually that's only three years. So Woodstock was in '69. So you know it's a pretty, pretty topical, pretty topical and current event for uh, these folks to be doing a show about. Yeah. So I think what they're parroting there in the musical spoof was uh, the kind of like the death of the hippie era, uh, where they're satirizing the the peace love vibe of Woodstock, crossed with the death vibe of the Rolling Stone Altamont Speedway concert. Where uh, what happened there? One guy got stabbed yeah, when the Hell's Angels the hell- were the <coughs> security guards. Yeah, and and my uncle was there. No way. Yeah, my uncle He's, was Eldwell. <laughs> was he was, was like he a Hell's Angel? No, nah, he was like an original hippie. He was like a for real hippie guy. Like lived in. Oh, that's Haight, right. You're you're from you're from the the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. Lived in Haight Ashbury and everything. Did he? Did he see? Did he see what happened? Because, as you know, the the movie "Gimme Shelter" uh, was they the documentary. Yeah. The Ma- the Males Brothers uh, yeah. filmed that. Yeah, 
Um, I don't know if you saw the stabbing. I never quite talked to him about that. But, yeah, he was a, he was a for real hippie. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. And actually, the title of, of the National Lampoon show, Lemming, actually comes from a line in Gimme Shelter, uh, kind of a quip that said, it's like the lemmings of the sea. Uh, I guess that was a line from Gimme Shelter. So the premise of, of the Woodstock-esque parody, Lemmings, was uh, it was a mock rock festival called Woodshuck. Uh, their catchphrase was three days of peace, love, and death. And John Belushi uh, served as sort of like the MC of the concert, which kind of parodied the Woodstock documentary. And in between sort of musical sat- satirized acts, um, he would provide suggestions of how the attendees could kill themselves. Now, we all know why we came here. A million of us. We came here to off ourselves. Right? And from now on, man, it's a free concert! It's free! Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is because that's what we... I, I obviously never saw the performance live or was there, and there's a clip that's floating around online that you can find on YouTube, which is actually from HBO when they were about to air the special. They were record it, they were going to air it, and then it got lost. So you can see this for a little bit, you can see, but it is just the um, kind of the musical parts of the show, which is interesting. Yeah, so when, uh, just going off on that, so it was actually recorded for HBO. Yeah. They had a director named Joshua White, and he was scheduled to, well, he actually did direct what you find online, and it was going to be called, I think it was going to be called like National Lampoon Television. Uh-huh. Um, and this would be part of it. Um, so either I heard two things that happened, either all the original tapes were lost or just HBO blatantly turned it down, uh, when they saw the footage. But, uh, fortunately for Joshua White, he ended up working for HBO when he directed the HBO special called Disco Beaver from Outer Space, which was a National Lampoon production in 1978 <laughs> and became the lowest-rated comedy show in HBO history. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's something to aspire to. Um, oh, but uh, interesting. In, a side interesting note: Joshua White went on to uh, direct um, some episodes of Seinfeld. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it just I guess it it just proves if you stick around long if you stick around long enough. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, um, other people did get careers out of this. Uh, John Belushi, who at the time, I think he was like 23, 24, uh, was sort of the breakout, big breakout star of uh, National Lampoon Lemmings. Christopher Guest, who was like 25 at the time, he was nominated for an, for an Obie Award for the, he composed all the musical songs or co-composed all the musical songs. Um Chevy Chase, who I, I think he, with long hair was like 30 at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a writer on the show, but he was hired as an actor. Um, obviously, you know, they all went on to be on Saturday Night Live. Uh, I have a bit of a trivia uh, that I kind of I kind of knew about this, but I'd never seen the um, the whole thing, Harmon. But uh, the please share. Yeah, uh, Christopher <laughs> Guest. Um, if, if you didn't know, that he is uh, British and American. 
His dad was a uh, UN diplomat, which is why he was in New York at the time. And his family is actually um, of the landed gentry in the UK and has a seat in the House of Lords. So his actual full full name is Christopher Hayden Dash Guest, the fifth Baron of Hayden Guest. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that because I actually know his brother, Anthony Hayden Guest, who lives here in New York. And he uh, I, he's like in his 80s, but has always been like this... Um, journalist who, who's written for like Vanity Fair and you know like did stories on Andy Warhol back in the day and uh-huh. Jean-Michel Basquiat and uh, yeah he his brother talks with a British accent well that's funny because I, I knew uh, from being in Austin I knew uh, Michael McKean's brother Joel McKean it's like we knew the brothers from Spinal Tap together exactly we exactly could have a whole episode it, about that Oh, and it go it goes further into Spinal okay. Tap. So um, let's let's talk about the the sort of origins uh, of of how National Lampoon Lemmings came about. Which okay. um, um, so the, the the official show started in, on January twenty fifth, nineteen seventy three, and ended up running three hundred and fifty performances. Um, the theater was actually a famous theater. So it was actually, and it was performed at the Village Gate, which is, uh, it's, it's now defunct, but it's a nightclub in the village on, on Bleecker Street and Thompson. And it's a, it's a club where not only Jimi Hendrix played, but also Miles Davis. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty, uh, you know, it, it's no more. I tried to look it up to see if it's still around. So, so Scott. how this all came about was uh first of all you know we've talked about the history of national lampoon uh in in our episode on what what was the name of that really sort of mediocre uh biopic oh the no it was um, a stupid futile gesture yeah a futile and stupid gesture yeah yeah, so if you want to check out more of the history of National Lampoon, we have discussed it in the past on a previous episode on the biopic, A Stupid Feudal Gesture. But uh, as we all know, you know, National Lampoon, the iconic humor magazine, um, they wanted to branch out. So in 1972, um, they came up with the album National Lampoon's Radio Dinner, which... Um, it was produced by Tony Hendra, who was also uh, the co-writer, co-producer of National Lampoon Lemmings. Um, some of you might know him as the band manager in Spinal Tap. Bring it yeah, all back to Spinal cricket, Tap. Yeah, with the cricket bat. Now, I noticed this series you've got this cricket bat here. In play? Um, no, I carry this uh, partly out of... Uh, I that was sort of... Sort of uh, uh, I suppose. Uh, what's the word? Um, Affectation. Yes, I mean it's it's a it's a kind of totemistic thing, you know. But uh, to be quite frank with you, it's come in useful in a couple of situations. Wow. Certainly in the uh, topsy turvy world of heavy rock, having a good solid piece of wood in your hand is quite often useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was the one, they went to him to produce not only the radio hour and the stage show because he actually, in the early or mid sixties. Um, he was a member of the Cambridge footlights, which you always hear about in Edinburgh festival. I mm-hmm. think he was there around the same time as John Cleese, which is like that famous, you know, comedy troupe that you hear at Edinburgh. 
that has like the Monty Python guys, but when you go to see it in Edinburgh, <laughs> it's, it's always really like really fucking lame. Yeah, I think he and he was also in like a comedy duo that was that I think had a couple of appearances on some big um, like Ed Sullivan and, and things like that over here. Yeah, so definitely Merv Griffin. So his yeah. comedy duo is called Hendra, and am I pronouncing this? Ulet. I, it's just the other guy's last name, so they, okay. they went with that. So so from there, they, they put the trust in um, uh, Tony Hendra to produce their first album, the, the National Lampoon Radio Dinner in 1972. I resent the moment for your focus. Tell me, what do you know? A lot of faggot middle-class kids wearing long hair and trendy clothes. Look, I'm not your fucking parents, and I'm sick of upside hippies coming knocking at the door with a fucking peace symbol. Get this back, man. I don't owe your fuckers anything, and all I got to say is fuck you. Which featured the music of Paul Jacobs, uh, who not only went on to do the, the co-write the music for National Lampoon Lemmings along with Christopher Guest, but check this out, Scott. He ended up being the, ready for it? Want to say it together on three? Piano player for Meatloaf. Oh, yeah, the piano player for Meatloaf. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but also another trivia about him, as a child, he... He performed at Carnegie Hall, so oh, wow. pretty okay. talented guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul so, Jacobs. Yeah. yeah. So, from the success of that, the first album, uh, they decided to do a second album, which they said was going to be a parody of Woodstock, which was called Lemmings. And so, for the album, what they did was they they said they were going to do a three night performance of Lemmings and record it live, and that would be the next National Lampoon album. Well, smash cut 350 performances later, uh, Lemmings took off and it, it extended uh, 347 more performances than they initially attended. Okay, now the Blue Belladonna's been tested and it's real killer stuff, so get into it. But the Brown Strychnine has been uh, cut with acid. So if you want to do half and you don't get off, what do you do? You do the other half, right? Yeah, that's pretty good. It's not, not a bad run. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just as a footnote, do, do we call it name dropping when we, we name drop the famous I, I people? Or, do. Or, or, or do you think the, our, our listeners actually enjoy it? Just I think say, they like, do. You know, it's part of it's us intertwining ourselves with history. Yeah, comedy, so I've had, comedy history yeah. in this case. Yeah, where we school you in comedy. Subscribe on iTunes and comment. <laughs> um, yeah, I've actually been on Tony Hendra's uh, podcast twice. So, uh, oh yeah, how was that? It was all right. Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. He has he has a podcast called I think it's called uh, First Edition or something like that. But, uh, you know, just one of these iconic comedy guys who, you know, was the, uh, you know, the guy who was pretty instrumental in getting uh, Lemmings onto the Village Gate stage for 350 performances. Yeah, it's not too bad. So, you know what I learned? So, so basically what you saw on uh, YouTube was just essentially just half of the actual live Lemmings show. Yeah, I didn't want to get too much into that um, in case you were going to talk about it right now. No, let's dive into that. So the okay. first the first half was just 
like random sketches. I don't know, maybe thematic. I don't know because there isn't footage that exists. And the second half of the show was the, you know, what we see on YouTube, which was the Woodstock parody. Yeah, I think on that on that the clip that's on it's not a clip because it's almost an hour. So it's the the show that's on YouTube. There's a couple sketches like scattered in that, and I I, I take it that those are the two sketches that were that made up the beginning of the show. Hey, 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 Vacation. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, well, so yeah. I found I found a 1973 uh, New York Times uh, review of the show, which they said the first half failed and the second half soared. So that's kind of interesting. I like to see like what kind of flops. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it'd be cool to see the whole thing. I mean, I guess we'll, we'll get into our personal opinions of it in a little bit, but uh, yeah, I would like to have seen how that all worked out and it's just interesting i think maybe by the time they recorded the show they kind of knew you know they kind of knew they couldn't just have a whole first half with just all sketches because that would just nothing just kind of killed the killed any kind of momentum yeah so i would what i read is like the show just kind of uh evolved as they went you know so some sketches you know didn't make it and other sketches did and they would sort of you know filter those in and out um here's what i read uh the opening skit is about high school sex and the point is not the humor is tasteless which it is tasteless could be funny but it needs not be brainless says new york times on the opening sketch oh wow okay um another sketch that that the New York Times didn't like was um, it was I think it was like sort of a satire on MASH, but all the doctors are high on acid. Yeah, little dated, little dated, little dated. That's the one you can see on YouTube. That's in the. That's in the. Oh yeah, the, yeah. That's the one that's in there. And, and what, what was your take on it? Yeah, I mean it's yeah it's everybody's on acid. There's a lot of acid jokes in there. Is my assistant here yet? No, he's late, and the operation cannot start without him. Well, if the operation cannot start without him, then how can he be late? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, don't you see, time is only a concept. Jeff, Lassie's going in the toilet. (laughs) Yeah, again, that's sort of an overall critique of, of watching... Uh, Lemmings is uh, a little bit, little bit of dated humor, uh, or extremely dated humor, <laughs> because it's just essentially you have to see the Woodstock documentary, and what it is is you know people doing send ups of all the musicians that were at Woodstock. Like you have Christopher Guest, uh, he's he does like a Bob Dylan impression, and he does a song called Positively Wall Street. Say the world's in trouble. Say you don't feel free. You don't know where you're going. Brother, don't ask me. Well, I don't give a darn, no. Out behind the barn. Oh, and then other things you have, like uh, Chevy Chase does like a John Denver. Impression. He does a song called Colorado. Mm-hmm. 
What what else was there? Well, there's uh, Christopher Guest doing again. I mean, because he kind of nails it. like on that del- that like because I was listening to it, not really watching it, and he just nailed it on that Bob Dylan one. And then he does like a a James Taylor kind of takeoff. Shooting off the highway on the road map of my wrist, baby, I've just scratched you off my list. I'll miss your tie-dyed bed sheets and your pretty spearmint mouth. But my highway toes are coming to the south. Yeah, so I think that one he nailed and he was sort of parroting James Taylor being out of mental health facilities. And I think the song was something about getting a lobotomy or something. Yeah, something like that. And then he also, Chris uh, Guest again, excuse me, Lord Guest, again, come, Lord Hayden Guest, comes on again. Uh, whereas the Yes, he's the, odor, he's the owner of the farm where they're having the Lemmings Fest, the Woodchuck Festival. Well, they asked me to come up here to tell you all how this came to be. Well, two fellas come up from the city in their fancy sports car. They asked me if they could use my land. I said, sure. And I charged them plenty. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Oh, the, 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 the James Taylor song was called Farewell, Farewell to Carolina, Where I Left My Frontal Lobe. Yeah, that's, that's a lyric, of... yeah. The, t- the title is Carolina in My Mind. Yes, ma'am, I read you loud and clear. Yes, ma'am, this is... This is the present. Hey friends, from the creators of Comedy History 101, check out our other podcast, This is the President, where we not only dissect the politics of the day, but also historic presidential phone calls. You can find us on our site, wordsoverchair.com, or subscribe on iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Yes ma'am, I read you loud and clear. Yeah, so again, it's sort of an easy premise of for writing the show because you have Belushi as the MC making all the announcements, and then you just filter in the different musical acts. So, pretty. I mean, it's like as far as like writing it, it was written again by Tony Hendra, Michael Keaty. I'm not sure who that is. Uh, Sean Kelly, who was the one of the head editors at National Lampoon, with uncredited writing from. Doug Kenny, who is one of the founders of National Lampoon, PJ O'Rourke, Carol Ramis, Ann Beats, who went on to become the first female writer on Saturday Night Live, and uh, mm-hmm. Henry Beard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was good stuff. I mean, the actual, the, it's a pretty cool idea, too. It was actually, because they're, they're addressing the audience. So it's like the audience is part of the show. So it was, it was kind of cool. And I could see that, you know, how that would work and be kind of a novelty. Yeah, so I think it was like, um, like again, Belushi's telling the audience how they could kill themselves, like in between the musical acts. So, you know, he was parroting like the don't take the brown acid um, thing from the Woodstock movie and also from Woodstock itself where the movie yeah. was filmed. Yeah. Like he was like, don't take the, the brown cyanide. It'd be the dr- brown it might, it might, Yeah, it might be laced with acid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like, I th- that's a thing where we can't unsee John Belushi doing that part. You know, I think it must have been funnier back then. We did know who this guy was, and he's kind of come comes out with all this energy and everything. And right now, all you can do is see. You know, every time I watch it, you can see John Belushi standing there. 
Yeah, but it's like 23, 24-year-old John Belushi. It's like, you know, it's just like he just had his chops. Yeah, no, no, he was. I think he the the New York Times uh, pointed him out in that article. If we can uh, read, do you have the quote there, Handy? It was a pretty good quote from him. Yes, I do. So um, the, the the quote from uh, the New York Times review, the, the the first New York Times review of Lemmings was the discovery of Lemmings is John Belushi, a bushy bearded clown with a deceptively offhanded manner. Deceptive. What is that? Yes. Yeah, what does that mean? Deceptively offhanded manner. Well, is that a good thing? Like offhand, yeah, yeah. It's like you know the thing with the eyebrows. He's deceptively offhand, comes off offhand, and then of course his his Joe Cocker is still funny. Yeah, so that I would say is the standalone stealing the show moment of uh, National Lampoon's Lemmings is John Belushi performing Joe Cocker, which later got performed on Saturday Night Live uh, in the first season. Yeah, with Joe Cocker, which. <laughs> yeah, and so how that came about was. Um, uh, so Rob Reiner was the host of the episode of Saturday Night Live where, where, where Belushi first performed Joe Cocker. So obviously Rob Reiner saw the Lemmings production and, and coaxed John Belushi in doing it for the episode. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was, that was excellent. I think one of the things, um, to go back to the show, I mean, which is the, the whole episode – today's episodes about what, what was really interesting is that the uh, one of the very last acts that goes on do you remember do you remember the uh, band that goes on at the end yes i do so uh what what it, it was a metal band yes. and again the whole theme of um of lemmings was uh you know again like lemmings uh the the concert promoter is trying to coax everyone and killing themselves so what, tell, tell us the name of the, the last band well, um, not oddly enough, or premonitionally enough, or we don't know who got influenced by who, but the name of the band at the end of the show that closes Lemmings is called Megadeth. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking of that too. I think thinking like, oh, are they going to actually have Megadeth on yeah. or yeah. So um and and I don't know what year Megadeth formed, but maybe, you know, one of our listeners can tell us. Well, I mean, if we want to go into it, so that's after Dave Mustaine got kicked out of um Metallica. So I think this is like early 80s, very early 80s. Uh so I mean, he must have I would be willing to bet that he he kind of lifted the name or borrowed it or or somehow kind of took it from the Lemming show, I and mean, it would be would be off the book to suppose that. Yeah, and what, what what's really cool about Lemmings, which you later see in Saturday Night Live and in John Landis movies, is the lead singer of uh, Megadeth is John Belushi. Yeah. And again, going with the theme, he says something to the effect of, do you know, to the audience, you know that pure rock sound can kill? And then he encourages um, the audience to put their heads on the amp. Yeah, there you go, man. (laughs) 
So, oh, here's another here's another funny side note is um, Tony Hendra uh, went to Maddie Simmons, who owned the National Lampoon, and said um, he needed some extra money so he could buy the cast uh, marijuana, uh, but actually ended up buying cocaine. Ah, well, no, it was the 70s, man. It was okay back then. Yeah, yeah, but he's like, uh, I think the quote was like, uh, you know, anyone could go out and buy marijuana. But uh, so that's yeah. sort of what 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 the uh, show was fueled on. So what, let, let's let's segue into the sort of the reception of uh, National Lampoon's Lemmys because it's actually um, one of the actresses. Her name is Alice uh, Platon. Actually, won an Opie Award for her performance in Lemmings. Oh, excellent! Yeah, so she was a Broadway actress who appeared in Gypsy and Oliver, and in Lemmings she performed a song called "Pizza Man," which was like, sort of like a parody of the song like "Leader of the Pack." Mm-hmm. And the song details it says here the song details a girl singing about her dead boyfriend who died in a highway smash up. Ended up looking a lot like a pizza. Oh dear. Okay. Yeah, and she went and opened. Well, that's good. Well, congrats, congrats to Owls. Yeah, and Christopher Guest, uh, as we mentioned up top, he was nominated for Obi for his musical score, but did not win the award. Oh, robbed, robbed. Oh, and here, I guess if we're going back to trivia. Um, because of the success of Lemmings, the circulation of National Lampoon magazine jumped. So while the show was still going on, um, I believe I believe they went to Maddie Simmons, uh, who owned National Lampoon, and asked if they could get a raise for their uh, appearance in the show. Um, this is according to Tony Hendra in a Harper's Magazine article. And Maddie Simmons, in return, uh, said about the cast, guests, and Belushi that they were a dime a dozen. Okay, all right. And uh, little, little, us. <laughs> yeah, a little egg on his face because one of the people that saw the performance of Lemmings was, of course, TV producer Lauren Michaels. Mm hmm. Which. He went then went on to found a little show that I think is still running to this day, not quite sure, called Saturday Night Live. Yes, exactly. And he pretty much scooped not only a lot of the talent of National Lampoon, but also a lot of the writers, like yeah. Michael O'Donohue, mm-hmm. who I think was also uncredited as a writer for Lemmings, um, you know, scooped him up as the head writer. So uh, essentially the first season of Saturday Night Live was – Essentially, the first season of a National Lampoon TV show. Yeah, more or less, exactly. Yep. Which is ir- ironic because they actually filmed it for HBO as the National Lampoon TV show, which you know didn't get picked up. No, yeah, it's always odd those things when you try to uh, translate a stage show right directly into TV, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah, so, you know, it's like, again, going back to our previous episodes on, like, say, The Groove Tube and Tunnel Vision and uh, Kentucky Fried Movie, what Na- or what Saturday Night Live needed was, you know, kind of that influx of, uh, 
you know, the TV generation regurgitating pop culture comedy of, you know, just growing up around, you know, bad TV shows and bad commercials, Mm -hmm. which, you know, again, if we're talking about the road to Saturday Night Live, it it took the energy and the musical energy of a show, a stage show like Lemmings and mixed it with the pop culture sensibilities of a movie like Groove Tube. So that's kind of how, you know, the seeds of Saturday Night Live came about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So here's something I learned just today was uh, because of the success of Lemmings in 1975, and this is the same year Saturday Night Live came out. So it's this probably happened, you know, before the premiere of Saturday Night Live was National Lampoon launched another show, a uh, live show called I think it was just called the National Lampoon Show, uh, which which was an, another off-Broadway show which premiered at the New Palladium Club on West 51st Street. Okay, and who was in this show? Ah, so that clip we heard up front was actually from a rehearsal of that because that also that starred Gilda Radner, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, John Belushi, and Brian Doyle Murray. And also, who, yeah, he, sorry, go ahead. played President Ford in a sketch. Yeah, and favorites. also... Yeah, in that, not referenced here, but in that clip is also, that's um, Joe Flaherty from SCTV fame. Oh, yeah, he was in that. I always yeah. love seeing young Joe Flaherty. I know, he it's, was always, it's always such wild, an yeah. enigma of comedy. Yeah. yeah, he is. I mean, I think, like, listen, like we, again, if you want to hear another episode we've done on the history of Second City TV, I always just go, he's just like... The, 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 the pillar of, of SCTV, because he's sort of the straight man yeah. in, in a lot of the bits, but he's just so damn funny. <laughs> yeah, he just he does a really good straight man getting frustrated character. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, the, the National Lampoon show, their follow-up live show, it got kind of mixed reviews. Uh, Gilda Radner... You know, as we heard up front, she played Patty Hearst, which is kind of funny. Uh, but the New York Times review, they didn't like the sketch where Gilda Radner, as a victim of gang rape, takes time out to quiz her assailants calmly about their qualifications. Alrighty. Yep. The edgy humor. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as, as with the review of uh, Lemmings, the New York Times said the funniest actor is John Belushi. The only repeater from the original Lemming cast, and they described him with a bear-like presence and a malleable bark of a voice who does quick impersonations of Truman Capote and Marlon Brando, which, you know, he later went on and did on Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. Yep, exactly. And here's, here's a funny thing. So he, he ended this that, that stage show by getting on a mega horn and saying to the audience, the whole audience is under arrest. Hmm. I don't know how appropriate that is, but that's actually that's that's the ending to Monty Python: The Holy Grail, too. Really? No, I thought yeah. it's just like the, the the cop just puts the his hand in front of the camera. Yeah, but they're all everybody's he's... getting arrested at the end. That's true. That's very true. Very so, um, <laughs> here's something again. Researching this, here's something that you would like, Scott. Um, in in 2011. Uh, National Lampoon was still around. Uh, uh, have we talked about this? The, the the final days of National Lampoon. No, I don't like know. the the 2007. Well, Scott, tell us what happened to the guy 
who owned National Lampoon during that era. <laughs> well, I just know this because I know you've got lots of stories about this, but you're talking about 2007, 2008, um, and this gentleman went to jail, I believe. No, not jail, prison. Prison, okay. <laughs> big boy prison, big boy jail. Yeah, so uh, uh, what was his name, like Dan Lykin? Uh-huh. Um, he was doing some serious like inside trading on National Lampoon stock. And again, he was a guy who just sort of uh, licensed the name and just would put out anything and everything, this including... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a- a- including a book by one Harmon Leon called National <laughs> Lampoon's Road Trip USA. And then what buy was it that? on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, like the rise of Taj and all that. That Van Wilder dude. Yeah, so they resurrected the Lemming Show strictly by name because the Lemming Show, it wasn't the they they actually just had a sketch group and they called it National Lampoon's Lemmings mm-hmm. because and see that's a failure right there because it had nothing to do with mock I mean they it would have worked if they were like mocking say Coachella or something like a music yeah. festival at oh, time. That's a good one, dude. We should do that. We should. Okay. Stole. Should I edit Cut that this. part out so that idea Cut doesn't get part. stolen? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> edit, edit point here. That is a good idea. Yeah. yeah. But it, it should. That should have been it. But I actually went. I went with my friend Adam Spiegelman. It was. It was playing in L.A. And at the time, I was working for you know that carnation of the National Lampoon because I did that book for them. And so we got invited to like the opening night. Uh, Adam Spiegelman. Um, you met him. He was like the the comedy booker. For uh, Jimmy Kimmel show right, again, yeah. not name dropping. Just simply, our listeners yeah, like to hear say, we're connected. We do have we do have connections <laughs> with comedy itself. Yeah. yeah. So again, it was like one of those things where it, it, there's this very Hollywood thing where either everyone's so jaded that they don't laugh, or everyone way over the top laughs more than. It should be laughed at. Yeah. And, and that's what's <laughs> happening. And people were just like falling out of their seats laughing. And, and me and Adam were just like looking at each other, just going, is, is, it, is it just me or is this like really not that funny? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I just I just remember it was just like a guy would every other sketch would come back on stage being Chuck Norris. Okay. <laughs> That's all I really remember about it. But again, it was like they they licensed and, and scrubbed the National Lampoon name through the mud and, yeah. and tried to uh, capitalize on Lemmings. Yeah, the funniest thing about that is you sent me that link to the Lemmings TV show, which, of course, I couldn't find anywhere, any mention on, on YouTube at all. And then when I actually looked at your link, it went to this Wikipedia page for the, I guess the network was called Media TV or something. Anyway, whatever the network, quote, network, unquote, it was airing yeah. on. Like, the Wikipedia page hadn't been updated in 10 years. So, <laughs> yeah, in the two thousands, there were a, there were a lot of those type of uh, yeah. things popping up. Yeah. Like we did a show for something called Strike TV, and they actually had some big names. Um, but yeah, it just all those again. It's like those things. Like when they popped up, they were getting so much money thrown at them to the point where people realized that there's no means of these. You know, many web networks making money. Yeah, it's, it's and then it, it just then something the guy you know with the purse strings just pulls the plug. Yeah, they're like, okay, nice try, guys. But that yeah. was the uh, that was the dot com boom. 
Exactly, exactly. So I guess in summary, what, what, what do you think is the takeaway of, uh, of, of National Lampoon's Lemmings' place in comedy history? Uh, well, naturally, as with the series that we've been doing, it's like that led to uh, a lot of the TV careers of a lot of people who you know are still out there today. Chevy Chase and uh, a lot of the people from Saturday Night Live, Bill Murray and whatnot. Um, I think it was very much a product of the time. You can go watch it if people, our listeners are so inclined. You can find that clip on the YouTube. and kind of or, or better yet, we will post the clip. Yeah, wordsoverchair.com. We will post a link. Yeah, or you can even easier to remember, Hartman, because this is called Comedy History 101. You just go to ComedyHistory101.com right there. Exactly, exactly. I think it's you know a, an important place in comedy history because, like you said, it cemented the careers of like so many people that just went on to do great things. And also it's sort of what we find today is just how – uh, an entity like National Lampoon ended up spreading their ba- their brand across several mediums. And, you know, they were kind of like the first entertainment entity to do that, like started as a magazine, then started putting out records, then went to a stage show and then went to a radio show and then went to movies. And it's just like they were kind of the first ones to just, you know, really spread their brand in that sort of way. Yeah, they were they were they were going gangbusters for a while there. Yeah, so, you know, and again, sort of not a lot of belly laughs, sort of dated, but uh, John Belushi doing Joe Cocker just really steals the show. And I, I think the Christopher Guest stuff is, 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 I think the Christopher Guest stuff is worth watching too. The, uh, the Bob Dylan's spot on and then the James Taylor as well. Yeah, and you see Chevy Chase playing the drums, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> with long hair. Yeah, with long hair and no shirt on. It's pretty... He's in the metal band. That's him playing drums in Megadeth. Yeah, I think he's playing like drums all throughout, too. Yeah. I think he play, maybe and he played him in Steely Dan. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> um, and what's, what's, what's also interesting, that ties back to, you know, again, we've, we've done several episodes on the road to Saturday Night Live, is... Chevy Chase, you know, hired for this. This is uh, 1973, but like in 1972, he was just performing down the road at the Channel One Theater, which uh, the movie Groove Tube, you know, got all their sketches and, and, and turned into, you know, the first movie that, you know, very influential on Saturday Night Live. And it's just those theaters are, are within just a few blocks from each other. Yeah, easy, easy to get around New York. A quick cab ride. Oh, for these, you, you just walk it, dude. Just Why walk, would you yeah. waste money on a cab? Yeah, yeah it's New York. <laughs> it's just the village to, yeah, uh, yeah Lower East Side. You know, some cab driver <laughs> tries to hit you while you're crossing the crosswalk. Hey, what's I'm walking here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So with that, I think it, 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 that does it for the, you know, the history of National Lampoon Lemmings here on Comedy History 101. <laughs> Where we school you in comedy. And with that, it's time to plug away. Scott, what do you have to plug? Well, Harmon, I have something to plug, but I am not allowed to plug it yet. I'll be able to plug it on the next show. But until then, uh, you can hear me and Harmon in our other podcast, This is the President. 
Um, but just this week, we put out one with Ronald Reagan and Johnny Cash. So that's one that you definitely want to turn into. You can find those right here at wordsoverchair.com. Also on your favorite podcast sites like Stitcher, Last.fm, iTunes, and of course, Google Play. And, and for me, uh, my plug away is, uh, hey, it's the holiday season. Looking for a gift for the Trump hater in your family? Why not check out my new book, Meet the Deplorables Infiltrating Trump America. It's all about my true life exploits, going out undercover in disguise and infiltrating Trump supporters in Trump America. You can find copies on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. So check it out. Oh, by the way, we also have some listener mail. Do we have a sting for that? Yes. No, we don't. No, I, I don't have one. Um, oh, okay. What, what do you want to do something? Do you want to make like a noise sting, that could be the sting? Sting. There we yeah, go. Can, I'll just put some music on that. There are plenty of stings on that YouTube library, man. You can find them. They're free. Yeah. So, a listener mail. So, we got a comment from one JDP on our History of South Park Spirit of Christmas. Uh, JDP writes, I was working in the industry and saw the Fox Commission short. Having a copy was like currency in Hollywood. Ah, very interesting. Very I, good to I comment. I remember that. We have a friend a friend of ours uh, by the name of Chip. Remember, he was working in L.A. at the time, and that was one of the things he brought back from L.A. with him. He had a copy of that show. Oh, that's very cool. So, yeah, it was like viral video by before. actually handing off to people. It was right video. before. It was right before <laughs> viral video was about to hit it. I think it was like actually, and again, we talk about this in this that episode, which you can find on iTunes or on our site, Comedy History 101, was that was actually the first viral video on the internet. More or less, yeah. Actually, yeah. I, th- I think yeah. you had to like download it. Yeah, that was when the, you had to get the, um, the uh, yeah, the, the Spirit of Christmas. Yeah, that one. And we also have another listener mail. And if you want to you send some listener mail, you can send it to our website. Uh, is it wordsoverchair.com? Or you, you can send it to both, dude. They both go in the same place. That's right. And they get to us, and they get read like this. So a, we got a comment from a listener named CJ Hornsby on our history of SCTV. He says about the photo on our site, wordsoverchair.com, he said, that cast picture is from Edmonton and was taken by Robbie Russino in the winter of 1981. Well, thank you, CJ. Thank oh, you for thanks, that CJ. interesting that nice. bit of trivia because that's what we're all about is history and trivia. And comedy. And with in comedy, comedy history. And with that, thanks a lot for tuning in to another episode of Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. Thanks a lot, everyone. Bye-bye. Goodbye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.